Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala. My brothers and sisters in Islam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. My brothers and sisters in Islam, when we look back in history, we find that the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and those that came after them went to great lengths in order to compile, to uh, narrate for us all of the stories and all of the ahadith that took place in the life of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they did that for a very important reason and that is so that future generations that would come could learn the lessons that were taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So when we read the seerah, we don't read it as bedtime stories for our children. We read them so that we can draw important lessons and apply them in our life, even though the times may have changed. Even though circumstances may have changed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent His book, the Qur'an, and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so that they can be a sign and lessons for the rest of humanity until the day of judgment. And so any topic we take from the seerah will have amazing lessons to apply in every single time and age. So today, inshallah ta'ala, I wanted to go through the story of the Battle of the Trench and what took place. This battle is also known as Ma'arakat Khandaq or the Battle of the Ahzab, the Battle of the Confederates. And this took place in the fifth year of Hijrah. So the Muslims have now been in Medina for five years. We know the first battle that took place was the Battle of Badr, which was in the second year of Hijrah, and then followed by the Battle of Uhud, which was in the third year of Hijrah. Now we get to the fifth year of Hijrah, and the Prophet wasallam he receives intelligence that all of the Arab tribes have come together in a coalition in order to come and attack Medina. And their intention was to completely annihilate the Muslims and punish them for leaving Mecca and thinking that they have some sort of power to establish a state in the neighboring region. And so the Prophet wasallam he holds a shura meeting with the companions radiallahu anhum in order to get their advice on how they should uh, go about dealing with this threat. And many of the companions didn't really have much to say because when they found out that the Arabs had numbered over 10,000 soldiers, this is a number that يعني, maybe in today's times doesn't really mean much. But in those days, you have to understand that 10,000, this was more than the whole population of Medina put together. If you include the soldiers, the men, the women, the children, the elderly, Medina numbered approximately 10,000. And so an army coming, matching their entire population, this was a huge force. Salman al-Faris, he suggested to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and he said, Ya Rasulullah, in our land in Persia, when we feed the cavalry of the enemy, we would dig trenches around the city to protect ourselves. Ya Rasulullah, why don't we dig a trench? And so the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa liked this idea. And they went about planning this massive project. And they decided to dig a trench to the north of Medina. 
because everywhere else Medina was protected with the natural uh, environment. And so they went about digging this trench. How big was this trench? There are different narrations on the size of the trench and uh, some narrations mention that it was 2.5 kilometers in length between mountain to mountain. Some say up to 9.5 kilometers in length. They say that the width of the trench was between 4 to 6 meters and the depth of the trench was approximately 4 meters deep. And so this was a massive task, especially in those times when you don't have earth-moving uh, equipment. They had to do it with their bare hands. So the Sahaba worked around the clock, day and night, in order to build this trench or to dig this trench. And it took them six days, six days and nights to dig this trench. So now, let me just paint the picture for you to explain to you what the situation was at that time for the believers. First of all, it was in the middle of winter. And anyone who knows Medina knows that it is a place of extreme weather. So in summer it is extremely hot and in winter it is extremely cold. And so it was a very, very cold month during the month uh, of Shawwal. And so not only was it freezing and, and there were very strong winds blowing, uh, which made it even uh, more difficult on the companions, but they were also very low in number in terms of their the, the, the numbers of the army, they only numbered approximately 3,000. And they were very ill-equipped. They didn't even have proper clothing in order to keep themselves warm from the uh, gasting weather and the, the blowing of the, of the winds. The Muslims were very poor at that time. They were suffering of extreme poverty. The Messenger وسلم, and the Sahaba were so hungry that they used to tie stones to their stomachs in order to hold in the pain of the hunger. But mentally and spiritually, the believers were strong. Those who had this strong conviction in Allah, they were not affected when it came to uh, the, the, the mentality that they had of that time. The Messenger وسلم, also participated in the digging of the trench. First of all, the Messenger himself was the one who marked out the lines on the ground himself of where they would dig this trench. And then he himself participated in the digging. Uh, Al-Bara, he mentions that Rasulullah participated in the digging of the trench with the Sahaba. And I saw him carrying dirt with his arms and his whole body until his whole body was covered in dirt and you could not even see his skin anymore. SubhanAllah, such was uh, the example that he gave as a leader. The Messenger وسلم, would also go around and inspire the troops. He would inspire the troops with uh, reciting verses of the Qur'an, reminding them of Jannah, reminding them of the promise of Allah. And he would make dua and lines of poetry with them. In one uh, such dua, he would say with the companions, Oh Allah, without you, we would not have been well guided. So send down upon us your tranquility and make us stand firm when we meet the enemy. Oh Allah, they have wronged us. And the narration mentions when he would get to this part, he would raise his voice and the companions would join in and they would say out loud, Oh Allah, they have wronged us. And if they want trouble, we will meet them. We will meet them.
this would inspire the troops uh, and they would make takbir. Rasulullah now also receives more worrying intelligence. More worrying intelligence. He finds out that Bani Quraidah, who were the Jews living in Medina, had broke their agreement between uh, them and the messenger. They had an agreement in order to uh, protect the Muslims from the Ri because they lived in the south of Medina. And we said already that they have dug this trench in the north. But now he is receiving intelligence that Quraidah have gone against their covenant and they have joined the forces. And so now they are helping the Confederates, supplying them with weaponry, food. And it is possible that they could also provide them with access from the south. And so this was very uh, troubling news for the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And, you know, this was uh, the toughest night for the Muslims to face. The, the toughest night the Muslims had to face when they found out that Quraidah had broke, broken the covenant because now they are exposed from both ends and they are afraid of their homes and for their children, for their families. So now... Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, He describes this fee. He describes this fee that the companions were going through when they found out that Quraidah had gone against uh, the treaty. And He said, And remember, when they came at you from above you and from below, from the north and from the south, and your eyes shifted in fee and your hearts reached the throat. Subhanallah, you know, when you're so scared, you, you, you can feel your own heartbeat in your mouth. You know, when anxiety kicks in, you know, we have a big problem today in our society with anxiety and people uh, uh, suffering of, of, of anxiety and uh, many complain of the panic attacks that they, that they get when they go through anxiety. And this is what Allah is describing, that the hearts reach the throat, subhanAllah. And you know, my brothers and sisters in Islam, fear is a natural emotion. Everyone goes, uh, has that emotion of fear. But the important thing is how do we deal with that fee? How do we react to that fee? Especially when logically and logistically everything is stacked against you. All the information was telling them that they are finished. Quraysh, Ghatafan and all of the other Arab tribes including Quraidah who numbered over 10,000. This was a force that was logistically undefeatable. And so, how do you deal with that fee? Well, the hypocrites, when they found out, how did they respond? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes uh, their response in the Quran when He said that the hypocrites, they said, Allah and His Messenger have only promised us deception. Allah and, and His Messenger have only promised us deception. O Muslims, we should all go back to Yathrib, for it is not safe here anymore. And so they started to encourage the Muslims and putting waswasa in their, in their minds to leave and to go back home. Their fear made them uh, try to flee the battlefield. And many of them did flee. Whereas when the true believers uh, found out about what uh, Quraidah did, how did they respond to this fear? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues and He says, And when the true believers saw the companies, they said, this is what Allah and His Messenger had promised us and Allah and His Messenger have spoken the truth. So it only increased them in Iman and tranquility.
subhanallah. And so we need to understand how severe the treachery of Banu uh, Qurayza was. It wasn't only that they were helping the Arabs and supplying them with foods and, and weaponry, but they also sent two men to the fortress where the Prophet ﷺ had put all of the women, the elderly and the children. They sent two men there in order to see how heavily this fortress was guarded so that if it wasn't guarded, they would send their men and they would attempt to kill all of the women and children in the fortress. And so one of the men started to climb up the fortress. And when the Muslims realized what was happening, they came and they could see one of the men climbing up. The auntie of the messenger, Safiya, she saw this and she saw how important it was to deal with this. Otherwise, all of their lives could be in danger. So she dressed herself like a male soldier. She put armor on herself and she covered her face and she took a dagger and she went out and climbed up the wall chasing this man. And when they got to the rooftop, they began to fight with one another until Safiya was able to kill this man. And then she threw his body over the fortress wall so that the other man that was waiting below, he ran off and he told the chief of Bani Quraidah that the fortress is guarded, the fortress is guarded. SubhanAllah, look at the, the role that the women played at that time. A very important role. If she had not did that, they would have sent their men in order to uh, kill all of the women and the children. Now, just when you think things couldn't get worse for the believers, the Sahaba hit another problem, literally. Because while they were digging the trench, they came across a massive boulder, a huge boulder. And this was made out of some sort of a, a very strong stone or a granite. And every time they tried to break the boulder, their axes would be breaking in their hands. And so they done shura among themselves. What do we do? Do we dig around it? They said, no, the messenger is the one who put the lines himself. How can we go around the lines that the messenger has drawn himself? So they said, let us go and consult with the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They came to the messenger and the messenger said, give me an axe. And this is one of the most amazing stories in the seerah. The Prophet wasallam, he took the axe and he struck the boulder the first time and sparks flew from this boulder. And he said, Allahu Akbar, I have been given the keys of a sham. I swear by Allah, I can already see its red palaces from right where I stand. He struck it a second time and sparks flew. He said, Allahu Akbar, I have been given the keys to Persia. I swear by Allah, I can already see its white palaces from right where I stand. He struck it a third time. He said, Allahu Akbar, I have been given the keys to Al-Yemen. I swear by Allah, I can already see the gates of Sana'a from right, this, from right where I stand. And the boulder disintegrated. And the companions made takbir. What an amazing prophecy. Especially a prophecy at that time, th through those difficult moments that they were going through. Something to uplift the spirits of the Sahaba. My brothers and sisters in Islam, we really need to be careful when we read the history. And not only the history of Islam, but when we read the prophecies that Allah and His Messenger have made for us today. There are many prophecies that we have in Islam that are able to be applied today and tomorrow and until the day of judgment. When we read such prophecies and we are reminded by them from many of the brothers, how do we respond to them? 
when we hear about the prophecy of the opening of Rome, of establishing the deen of Allah, the Khilafah, of taking over the world until Islam reaches the east and the west, how do we respond? Many of the Muslims, they respond in a negative way. That how is this possible? How can this happen? When the kuffar are so strong, they are so dominant, and we are so weak and we are so backward. We don't have this strong conviction as the Sahaba did. And we really need to be careful of those responses because how did the munafiqun, how did the hypocrites respond when they heard this prophecy from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa They said, look at this Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa He promises us the east and the west and we don't even feel safe to go to the toilet because of the enemy. Look how they responded. The Messenger, he promises us the east and the west and we are afraid to go to the toilet. Subhanallah. Whereas the companions, they made takbir and this increased their iman. Now, the two forces had come face to face and they have set up camp. Quraysh, when they saw the trench, they were shocked. They have never encountered something like this before. Such a huge trench. And every time they tried to enter uh, the trench to get to the other side, the Muslims would repel them. And at night, the Messenger وسلم, would send the companions, some of the companions, up and down this trench in order to guard, because it was such a long trench that he would get the companions to ride along this trench, making takbirs at night in order to repel anyone who was thinking of coming across and he himself would take his own turn in riding up and down this trench making takbir to let the enemy know that we have men all up and down this trench so uh, some fighting did take place uh, many duels uh, took place during this siege uh, because when the kuffar realized that they could not cross they laid siege on the city and so this siege lasted for a very long time. Many duels took place. Amazing stories that came out of uh, the Battle of the Trench. Uh, the duel between uh, Ali uh, and Amr ibn Abdul Wood. Uh, the incident of uh, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. The incident of uh, Zubair ibn Awwam. Amazing stories that you would read. Uh, and I encourage everyone to read the story uh, of the Battle of the Trench. And you can also find an account that Allah mentions in Surah Al-Ahzab. Now, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the background uh, was trying to break the coalition. He was trying to use uh, smart tactics in order to uh, make a deal with Ghatafan. Because out of the 10,000, the tribe of Ghatafan numbered 6,000. And so, uh, if he could neutralize Ghatafan, then you would eliminate the majority of the problem. And so he met with uh, some of the leaders of Ghatafan and he made them an offer an offer that was uh, larger than the offer that Bani uh, Quraidha made to them he offered them a third of Medina's uh, date harvest for that year and Ghatafan agreed because they were not there for ideological purposes they were there merely to benefit uh, financially whereas uh, the Jews and Quraysh, they were there ideologically. They wanted to get rid of Islam and its influence. And so they signed, uh, they, they wrote up a document and they just needed two witnesses from among the Ansar who owned the date fields 
to sign off on this agreement. So the Prophet ﷺ, he met with the two leaders of Al-Aws wal-Khazraj, which was Sa'ad bin Mu'adh and Sa'ad bin Ubadah. And he mentioned to them the deal that he made to Ghatafan. And so when he told the two Sa'ads, may Allah be pleased with them, about this deal, the two Sa'ads looked at each other. They didn't say anything. They just looked at each other as if to know what each other were thinking. They both knew what each other were thinking. They were just trying to figure out who was going to speak and tell Rasulullah what was on their mind. And so Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, he stepped forward and he said, Ya Rasulullah, is this something that Allah has ordered or are you doing this for our sake? SubhanAllah, look at the adab, look at the akhlaq, look at the way he approached the, the topic. He said, if this is from Allah, we will agree and we will sign. But if this is just your opinion and you're doing it for our sake, then speak up and allow us to have our opinion. He said, no, I'm doing it for your sake. I am doing it for your sake. And so Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, he said, O Messenger of Allah, we used to be disbelievers in Allah. We used to be disbelievers in Allah. And we used to worship idols alongside these people, not knowing Allah, nor worshipping Him whatsoever. And at that time, they wouldn't even dream of eating a single date from Medina unless they paid for it or we offered it to them as our guests. Should we now give them our property after Allah has honored us with Islam and led us to Him through His greatest messenger? We will have none of this, Ya Rasulullah. By Allah, we will give them nothing but the sword. We will give them nothing but the sword until Allah decides between us and them. The messenger, he smiles and he says, as you wish, as you wish. Sa'ad took the document from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he erased the agreement. He erased the writing and he said, now let them fight us. Now let them come and fight us. Look at this conviction. Allahu Akbar. Amazing. Even though everything was against them and it looked like it was impossible to win. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saw this taqwa, he saw this determination, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started to send his assistance, started to send his help. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees the firm stance of the believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his help and his aid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, إِن تَنْصُرُ اللَّهَ يَنْصُرْكُمْ وَيُثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَكُمْ If you support the deen of Allah, Allah will support you and make your feet hold firm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, that anyone who has God consciousness, anyone who has true fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will always find a way out for that person. Allah will always give him a way out and will provide them with rizq from places they could not even imagine. And anyone who places their trust in Allah, Allah is enough for them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sends a man from Qatafan by the name of Nu'aym bin Mas'ud. And he comes to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he says, O Messenger of Allah, I have accepted Islam. But my people, they don't know of this. My people, they do not know of this. So order me whatever you like. Tell me what to do. I am part of your army. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says, You are only one man. 
So go back and use smart tactics to relieve us of them if you can. Try to break this coalition if you can, for war is deception. And so Nu'aim bin Mas'ud, you know, he was a very well-known man among Qatafan, among Quraysh, among the Jews. And so he went and he visited the Jews of Quraidha. And he said to them, you know me very well. And you know that I will only give you sincere advice. He said, what you have done is very wrong. You have decided to fight against Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam while you live in Medina. And your property, your families, your wives, your children are all here. While Quraysh and Ghatafan have come to fight. But their women, their children and their property are all somewhere else. Now Quraysh and Ghatafan are going to try and defeat Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But if the opportunity does not arise, then they will pick up and leave. And you will be left behind to deal with the wrath of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They said, what you are saying is very true. What do you suggest we do? He said, you want to make sure that Quraysh and Ghatafan are going to stay the course and fight till the end, until the objective is fulfilled. They said, okay, but tell us, how do we go about doing that? How do we guarantee that? Nu'aim said, tell them to leave some of their noblemen with you as an assurance to show you that they are going to fight to the end. This was something that used to do in Jahiliyyah. When you would give somebody something, uh, uh, lend them something, uh, they would uh, ask for an assurance. You know, uh, Sometimes they would say, you know, I'm going to lend you this money, you give me your son, and I'll take care of him, and when you pay me back that money, I will return him to you. So Nu'aim is saying, ask for some of their noblemen to stay with you. And if you uh, uh, get the job done, you will get them back. And they agreed. Nu'aim leaves and he goes and he visits Abu Sufyan from Quraysh. And he says, you know how close our relationship is and that I will always speak the truth and my advice will always be a sincere one. He said, yes, we uh, can agree on that. Nu'aim said, I have come to disclose something very important, some very important information. But you need to keep this information to yourself. Abu Sufyan said, go ahead. Nu'aim, he said, the Jews have regretted the fact that they have betrayed their agreement with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they have re-entered negotiations with him to draw up a new agreement between them. And they have offered to hand over they have offered to hand over some of your noble men to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in order to be executed as a sign of their sincerity and their repentance uh, for the deed which they have committed. So if the Jews ask you for some men, do not give them any. Subhanallah, look at this smart tactic that he used. So Nu'aim, he goes to Ghatafan and he tells them the same thing. So now there's this anxiety and tension building up between the forces. The, the forces, this, this coalition of the willing, now there's some doubts, there's some anxiety, there's some tension, mistrust being uh, put in the minds of one another. And this siege that the kuffar have laid against the Muslims 
was taking a very long time. And they did not come out prepared for that. They came for a quick annihilation. They were so confident in their numbers. They thought this was going to be over in 24 hours. And now it has been a few weeks and they are in this situation uh, not being able to go forward nor being able to go back. And so Abu Sufyan, he sends Ikramah, the son of Abu Jahl, to meet with the Jews of Quraidah. And he had a message for them. What was the message? He said to them, this siege is taking too long. Our men are tired and our camels and horses are dying. So we are going to launch a full-scale attack on Muhammad Wasallam today. So make yourselves ready. We are going to attack today. So make yourselves ready. SubhanAllah. Look at the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What day was that? It was the day of Yom Sabt on Saturday. And we know how dear the, the day of Saturday is for the Jews. So they responded and they said, No, you know that we don't fight on the Sabbath. You know that it is a custom of ours that we do not fight on the Sabbath as it is a bad omen for us. Also, we do not think that you are going to stay the course and fight till the end. So we want you to hand over some of your noblemen to stay with us as an assurance. Ikramah, he goes back and he conveys the message to Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan, he says, Aha, this is what Nu'aim warned us of. They are preparing to betray us. Tell them we are not going to hand over a single man. Go back and tell them we are not going to hand over a single man. They went back and told the Jews and the Jews said, this is exactly what Nu'aim warned us of. They are not going to stay the course and they are going to leave us to bear the wrath of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So subhanallah, this one man was able to break the coalition of the kuffar. No one knows who the soldiers of Allah are except for he. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was making dua for this to happen throughout the night. But it shows us a very important it gives us a very important lesson that dua goes hand in hand with a plan, with action. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assisted the believers with soldiers that they could not see. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, O you who believe, remember the favors of Allah upon you when the armies gathered to attack you and we sent upon them a wind and soldiers you could not see. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the wind one of his soldiers that made conditions so unbearable for the kuffar. So unbearable. And you need to understand that the Muslims were also exposed to that wind. But the quality of the wind was different. Yes, they felt some of the pain of that wind. But it was much harsher on the enemy forces and it caused much more damage for them. And this is a lesson that we'll come to at the end, inshallah ta'ala, uh, of our talk. So this wind, my brothers and sisters, was reaping havoc through the camp, uh, the camps of the Confederates. Abu Sufyan, he makes uh, the final decision and he turns to his army and he says, O oh people, we are not in a permanent camp. Our horses and camels are dying and Bani Quraidah are thinking of betraying us. You can see what we have lost during, uh, due to this gale force wind and how our cooking pots and our tents won't stay standing. And we cannot maintain a decent fire. 
you should all leave and go back home as I am about to do. So Abu Sufyan, he picked up and Quraysh all left. And when Ghatafan saw this, they also packed up and they left. Subhanallah. Overnight, my brothers, overnight, all of the Arab tribes had picked up and left Medina. The next morning, the Muslims woke up to a completely empty field. They looked across the trench and it was completely empty. The messenger, he comes out of his tent and he looks to the other side and he says, La ilaha illallah wahda sadaqa wa'da wa nasara abda wa a'azza jundahu wa hazam al-ahzaba wahda. He says, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah alone, who was truthful to his promise, gave victory to his servant, honored his soldiers and destroyed the enemy forces alone. An amazing uh, statement that we are reminded with every Eid when we recite this as we come out making a takbirat. We remember the sacrifice that the Sahaba made on that day. Jabir ibn Abdullah, he said, I saw how bad the condition of the Prophet was during the siege of Al-Ahzab. He said, while the Sahaba had a stone tied to their stomachs to hold in the pain of the hunger, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had two stones tied to his stomach. He was more hungry than them, subhanallah. He said, when the Confederates left, I ran home to my wife and told her of this situation that I have seen Rasulullah in an intolerable condition. Do we have any food for him? Anything? She said, all we have is a little bit of barley, some dough and a small goat, a baby goat, not even worthy of slaughtering, too small to sacrifice. So Jabir said, this will do. So he sacrificed the goat and he told his wife to prepare some dough for, uh, to make some bread and to make a soup, which they would cook the meat in the soup. He goes back and he tells Rasulullah, just quietly, he whispers to Rasulullah, he says, O Messenger of Allah, I have prepared some food for you. So you can come to my house and you can bring one or two of your companions. You know, he's embarrassed. He doesn't have much food to offer. He says, you can bring one or two of your companions. The messenger, he asks him, how much food do you have? He told him, I have a baby goat and just some dough and some barley. Rasulullah he tells Jabir, go and tell your wife not to move the meat from its place until I come. Don't touch the meat. Leave it on the pot. Leave it on the stove until I come. Then the messenger, he stands up and he makes an announcement to the entire army. He says, O Muhajirun, O Ansar, Jabir has prepared some food for us and is inviting us all to eat at his house. Subhanallah. Jabir was so embarrassed. He ran home. He ran home in order to tell his wife. He came to her and he said, what do we do? She said, what's wrong? He said, the messenger has invited the entire army. 3,000 men are on their way. She said, but did you tell him how much food we have? He said, yes. He asked me. I told him. And he still invited them. He said, yes. She said, then Allah and his messenger know best. If you told him the information and he still invited them, Allah and his messenger know best. She calmed down her husband. Again, the role of women in Islam, a very vital role that they play. Subhanallah. Rasulullah he comes into the house and he begins to stir the pot. He blows into the pot and he begins to stir the pot 
and he begins to pour the soup and the meat in bowls and he asked the Sahaba to come in 10 at a time so that they wouldn't overcrowd the house and the messenger himself was serving the companions. He would give them some bread and he would give them this bowl of soup and when they would finish the next 10 would come in and so on and so, so forth until the whole army ate from this small pot of soup and he sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the last to eat from this pot. The man who was the most hungry was the last man to eat. He came back in after everyone had eaten and were satisfied and he looked into the pot and the pot was still full. The pot was just as it was when he began. So he said to the family of Jabir, now go and start to feed your neighbors. Subhanallah, look at the miracles again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you have this God consciousness, this fear of Allah, Allah will provide for you rizq from places you could not even imagine. My brothers and sisters in Islam, Khandaq was a battle of patience and a battle of complete trust in Allah. Patience in holding firm in such a difficult time and having trust in Allah and having trust in the promise of Allah. Even though everything may be telling us that the situation is dire, that the situation is impossible for us to get out of this, this dark place that we are in. We need to have that trust in the promise of Allah. These are perfect lessons for us to learn in our time, especially during this pandemic of the coronavirus. How? Why? Because, you know, for many years, people have thought that the West are way too strong and mighty for the Muslim Ummah to be able to achieve its objectives. That the Kuffar are too strong. They are in control of everything. They are on top of everything. How is it that the Muslims can uh, achieve their victory and work for their deen and establish the Khilafah? How? When the Kuffar are so strong. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a small virus just as He sent the winds. And by doing so, it exposed many things for us. It exposed many weaknesses that the Kuffar have. A virus brought down an entire nation, not only one nation, nations, superpower countries brought them to their knees. And they have gone into complete lockdown and they have become frantic with no real response. No response at all. Where is their power? Where is their economy? Where is their science and their technology that they are always boasting about? The battle of the trench showed us that even if all the odds are stacked against us, Allah can assist us with something so small that can turn the odds completely around and in our favor. Allah just wants us to do our part, to do our part and work for His deen. And He subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who brings about the results and provides the means of victory. Allah is the one that provides the means of the victory. We are just asked to put our little effort, whatever that effort may be, even if you see it as insignificant, Allah sees your effort as significant and He is the one who provides the results. Through this battle, the battle of the trench, Allah opened up many doors for the believers and expanded their vision. Allah expanded their vision to having greater objectives of Asham, of Persia, of Yemen, of the entire world. Here they were thinking 
that they are going to be defeated by a small tribe, Arab tribes in Arabia. Yet the Prophet ﷺ showed them that this is not our objective. Our objective is much greater. Asham, Persia, Yemen, the entire world. And so it opened up doors for the believers. Similarly today, this pandemic, inshallah, will be the beginning of many doors opening up for the believers. And it will be a cause of motivation for us to step up and realize that the West are not fit to be the leaders of humanity. They have failed humanity miserably. Rather, we need to showcase to the world the model of Islam. My brothers and sisters in Islam, don't look to the reality of the Ummah today and think that our situation is hopeless. Rather, look to the promise of Allah that He has made to this Ummah and know that Allah can change the reality at any moment with soldiers that we cannot see. Subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdika wa nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant wa nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.